we just had a passage of Scripture read as our Scripture reading this morning that tells us a whole lot about the Holy Spirit. And maybe I'm biased, but this is the best part of it. The Holy Spirit has come. He is here, and He is at work in the world. Now, last week, I set the stage for this lesson a bit. I spoke about that we're made for life, for all the seasons of life, the high points, the low points, because God has prepared us for those. God created us. He sent His Son to this world. Christ saved us by giving up His life on the cross. And He sent His Spirit to guide us. Now this is where we're resuming this morning. What about the Holy Spirit? Makes me think of passages like James 4 and verse 8. Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. There's a paradox in that. Because by drawing near to God, we can only do that through God's Spirit. God's helping us draw near to Him. Our very effort is an indication of that. God is already drawn near to us. That doesn't mean that James 4 and verse 8 is inaccurate. It just means God's doing even more work than we consider all the time. What else is said about the Holy Spirit? Jesus says this to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 and verse 8. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or what or where it's going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. I've been thinking about this lesson hard for a few weeks. I feel like I've been living my life leading up to this lesson for 26 years. No pressure. <laughs> that I feel a lot of times we allude to the Holy Spirit, but we don't understand or seek to understand God's Spirit at work within us the way we should. Not all the time. That God's Spirit is at work, shaping us, molding us, guiding us all the time. We don't know where that's going to lead. Jesus told us that in the passage we just read. We don't know what the Spirit may ask of us, what it may drive us to do, or how that might look to other people. There are those that were so compelled by the Spirit, they gave away all their belongings to help other people in need. People 
not just Jesus or his disciples, but other people that have given up having a permanent home so that they could spread God's word to others. We don't know how the Holy Spirit is going to direct us, what direction it's going to send us in. But I think it's an indication when we look at Scripture of what the Holy Spirit has done can indicate what the Holy Spirit will continue to do. The Holy Spirit makes a bunch of appearances throughout Scripture. And it's talked about quite a bit. Talked about quite a bit. And I want to point out a couple of instances this morning. Just look at this image. Which I'm not going to claim to its accuracy. One, none of us saw Jesus face to face. And two, I'm pretty sure John the Baptist was there. But in Jesus' baptism, it said, as soon as Jesus was baptized, He went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. And He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on Him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son. Whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Jesus went on, and we read part of this passage earlier, but he goes on to have a discussion with Nicodemus. Nicodemus, who was a very intelligent individual, a leader within the community, a leader among his people. And Jesus tells Nicodemus. Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. And he goes on to talk about the nature of the Spirit and where you may or may not go. I want to draw your attention to verse 6. Flesh gives birth to flesh. But the Spirit gives birth to the Spirit. If we don't receive the Spirit, we aren't born with it. It's something we have to choose. We have to take on. It's not something that... When we're born into flesh, we take on. When we're born into flesh, we become human. When we're baptized, when we take on the Holy Spirit, we're born into the Spirit. Our allegiances change. Our mindset changes. It's natural that a young person, a baby, an infant, in the flesh, they're going to want food, they're going to need someone to take care of them, to support them, you know, to clean them up. It's not different when someone is new in the Spirit. They need to be nurtured. They need to be cared for. They need to be reminded that their Savior will clean them up. 
You see, a lot of times, I think we give ourselves the idea. And we give others the perception that, you know, once you're baptized, once you enter in to God's kingdom, you receive His Spirit, you've got it. And you do. But that is not the end of the journey. That's not the end. That's the beginning of a whole new life. A life led by the Holy Spirit. You see, there were a group of individuals that had to learn this. In Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. All the apostles. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled up the whole house that they were in. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in tongues as the Spirit enabled them. You go on and read the rest of Acts chapter 2 and what happened on Pentecost. No one else understood what was happening. What was going on? They didn't understand how these disciples of Jesus, who were, let's face it, not the most educated men from a backwoods area of Israel, from Galilee, started speaking in all these different languages. Not only that, consider all the amazing accounts of where all these men went after Pentecost and what they did. In Jerusalem, in the surrounding area, and to the entirety of the known world at the time. They carried God's Spirit with them. God's Spirit led them out. You see, we're called to be people of the Spirit. People of presence. And I want to take... A minute, and it's hard to quantify this. This is literally the hardest thing I dealt with with this lesson. Is how do I, you know, how do I quantify what the Holy Spirit has done in the world? Here are a few statistics that kind of point in the direction of what the Holy Spirit is, Holy Spirit has worked on. Christian growth is phenomenal. The spread of Christianity, that is, worldwide, and this is an estimate. In the year 100 A.D., there was approximately one Christian in every 360 people. Today, there is one Christian in every five people. Worldwide, every minute, 15 people that have never heard the gospel hear it for the first time. In 2010, there were 2.18 billion Christians worldwide. That's nearly a third of the world's population. And here's probably the most telling statistic. An average of 159,960 Christians worldwide are martyred every year for their faith. Nearly 160,000 people die every year for believing in Christ. For being led by His Spirit. Being committed 
to His Spirit to not let go of it. Even under the threat of death. But just as difficult as it is to quantify or acknowledge how the Holy Spirit has worked, it's just as difficult to say, here's all the room we have to grow When you consider that approximately one Christian to every five people, that means each of us, bare minimum, have four souls to save. Have four people that need us. Four people that aren't sitting here this morning. You can think about it and say, you know, I'm just not ready for that. I'm not ready to go here or there. I'm not ready to have that conversation with that person. They're not ready to have that conversation with me, which I think is generally how we do that more often. We say, you know, they're not ready to hear what I have to say. More than we aren't ready to admit we don't want to have that conversation because we're afraid to. To let people know who our Savior is, what the good news is, and why. We live in a country in which we are very blessed to have every opportunity, every freedom to show people our faith and how we live and what we say, the charity that we do, And to be honest about why. Not, look at me, I'm a good person. But I give because I've been given to by God. I've been loved by Him, so I love everyone else. We have so much more freedom than so many people do across the world. So I've got to ask this morning, what are you for? We are going to be full of something. The world will fill us with something. We will fill ourselves with ourselves, Or we can be full of God's Spirit. That's not an easy question to ask. It's not an easy question to go home and look yourself in the mirror and say, honestly, where do I stand? What am I full of? Am I full of acts of selfishness? Or am I full of God's Spirit that's going to lead me to do remarkable things? Not for my glory, but for God's. Not just for His glory, but for the good of all people. I made the point last week, we're made for life. Not just the life here on earth. Not just this life we live in the flesh. But we're made for the life that we receive through the Spirit. The life that is eternal. So I say, Holy Spirit, come. If you have not received the Holy Spirit, I hope that you pray constantly that the Spirit will dwell more in you. 
Galatians 2 and 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is I, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I've always read that and taken it very literally. Seeing what Christ did and now that Christ lives in me. But the fingerprints, the evidence of the Holy Spirit is woven throughout that passage. Christ lives on in us because the Spirit He sent for us. That He sent to us. You see, God has an extraordinary plan for us. A plan that's unique, that's different. 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 9. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. God has prepared an amazing life for you. A life in which you are full of His Spirit. That you would be able to follow His Son because you share the same Spirit His Son has. So my prayer for all of us this morning is that we would be full of God's Spirit. Some have said that this world is a veil for, for soul making. I always found that difficult to wrap my head around. Not many words, but a difficult meaning to understand. This world is a proving ground for whether you will be a vessel full of God's Spirit now and for eternity. If you would choose Him once, why not choose Him over and over on a daily basis? To be full of His Spirit. If you've never made that choice, if you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins, to admit that you believe in His Son, the sacrifice He made on the cross, and that you want to be filled with His Spirit, we're here for you this morning for the first time. (coughs) Or whether you made that decision a long time ago. And life's ebbs and flows, ups and downs, have separated you from Him. If you've allowed yourself to be full of something else, other than God's Spirit. We're here for you this morning. We're here to comfort you, to love you, to give you encouragement and support, to pray for you, to pray that the Spirit would guide you as you walk through your life together as we stand and sing.